I was baptized as a, an infant in a church that, we, that I grew up in, and we were very active in that church. And when we uh, moved, we went to another church, and uh, at that church, basically required membership to be baptism in that church. And at, at that point in time, I, I felt that I wanted to have a say in, 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 in that decision. And so I kind of made up my mind that once I found a church home that I chose, that I would want to take that step there. Austin, our son, our older son, has, has gone to LifePoint for uh, several years and, and grown up in that church pretty much. And he came to us one day and, and decided that he wanted to take that step. I wanted to be baptized because I wanted to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit into my heart. And he mentioned that he wanted to be baptized in the river. I decided to be baptized in the river because we spent a lot of time there as a family and I just thought, well, that's a great place to have it. And I thought, well, that, that's fantastic. And, and then the more I thought about it, I decided that that could be a great opportunity for me because I've been thinking about it so much. So, so when we started the baptism at the river, uh, I wasn't even uh, aware that I could baptize someone. And I was honestly very excited when Donnie mentioned, hey, do you want to baptize your son? And uh, I thought, well, that would, that would definitely be amazing to look back down the road and know that, you know, we shared that moment together. Well, I thought it was just cool that my dad did it instead of like another pastor or anything. There's nothing to be embarrassed or scared about. It's all just about Jesus and um, his resurrection. So, as Austin says, my dad baptizing me is way better than a pastor uh, <laughs> baptizing me. So, um, I know Austin and Matt, they're friends and neighbors of ours, and if that video uh, stirred something inside of you and made you think about your baptism or the fact that you haven't taken that step yet, we have a great opportunity for you on July the 16th. In the afternoon, we're going to gather with all the people who have decided to follow Christ in baptism and their family. We're going to share a meal together, and we're going to celebrate baptism out at Falls Lake. So if you are ready for that step, or if you have questions and you wonder, am I ready? Uh, come talk to us. Come talk to me or one of the other pastors after the service. We'd love to share a little bit with you about that next step. Well, so happy Father's Day. So let's give all of our LifePoint dads a hand. And hopefully you dads were the first ones to get those awesome donuts coming in today. Uh, you can get one on the way out as well. In my opinion, those are the best ones in town. I love them. And I haven't had one yet today, so. Um, so Father's Day is a quite, quite a bit different than Mother's Day. You, you know, like a month ago when we celebrated Mother's Day, you know Mother's Day is the third largest attendance of the year at church. Because who would say no when mama says, would you go to church with me just on Mother's Day? Just this one day, would you get up and go? Well, of course you will. Now, dads, or Father's Day, on the other hand, uh, dads are a little different. They don't get up and say, would you just go to church with me? Normally, they say, I'm going to the lake. Or, I'm going to golf. Or, I'm going to nap. Y'all steer clear of me for the day. It's my day. There's a little bit of difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. There's a, a large amount of cards sold, even if it's the day before on Mother's Day. There's still a large amount of cards sold 
It's one of the largest card holidays. Uh, for fathers, not so much. <laughs> Mother's, uh, Mother's Day, uh, there's a lot more money. In fact, about double the amount of money spent on Mother's Day gifts than on Father's Day gifts. And men, uh, if we want to keep peace in the world, we will make sure it stays that way. <laughs> So last week we asked you to post, and hopefully if you haven't done this, you'll do it today. Post on social media, uh, my dad is awesome because, or my dad was awesome because. And several of you did that. And I want to share uh, some of our staff kids and what they had to say about their dads. Our youth pastor's son Landon said, my dad is awesome because he plays trucks with me. And Elizabeth Perry, uh, those of you that know Rob Perry, his daughter said, my dad is awesome because he points me to Jesus, makes me laugh, and takes time to be my friend. Uh, Rob Perry's son, Nick, uh, also answered a question for all of us, if you know Rob, that you've often wondered, and that is, did he ever have hair? And by this picture he posted, yeah, he did, he did. Nick says, I'm thankful for my dad because he constantly finds new ways to lead our family and make us laugh. Desiree McLarnon says, my dad's awesome because he's a picture of God's grace wrapped up in an ocean-loving, ice-cream-eating, office-watching, Jesus-loving servant. <laughs> Lindsey Ball says, my dad's awesome because he's so generous and willing to provide for my family what we need to feel comfortable. And Mitch Bowman, our worship and arts pastor you just saw here today, his son Cooper, who's quite the character if you know him, said, uh, my dad's awesome because he's a very good singer and there's no one else like him. And then... Austin, the guy that was just out here talking to you, uh, his son is really small and doesn't really put together sentences, but he does say words. And so just the other day, he had Austin at the office, and, or he had, he had his son Miles at the office, and Austin was holding a little uh, cup of Cheerios, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to ask Miles what's awesome about his dad. So I said, Miles, what's awesome about your dad? And he said, snack. <laughs> so that's what Miles thinks awesome about his dad. Uh, Joel Close's daughters say, there's nobody like him. He can talk to any stranger about cars or pretty much anything. And he's amazing at music, preaching, and being a committed and funny dad. Uh, but there were a couple that I just thought, they were just a cut above the rest um, in the way they talk about their dad. And so I thought I would save the one that I felt like was the most awesomest dad award for the end. And those are my two girls. And what they had to say was, uh, my youngest, Abby, said, my dad's awesome because he always makes time for me, even if he's busy, and pushes me to be my best. And then Molly, our 21-year-old, says, my dad's awesome because he leads and loves our family so well, and he always pushes me to try new things. And after all of those beautiful children said that, we can all say, oh, wasn't that nice? Well, find ways to tell your dad why you think he's awesome, and trust me, he will love it. Now, I realize Father's Day is not the same for everybody because maybe your dad's not around or maybe you did not have a relationship that brings up fond memories or maybe you're a dad that made a lot of mistakes and you're concerned like, oh no, what are they going to talk about today? Am I going to feel guilty? So that's a balance that I have to strike when I'm thinking about how do I make sure I'm sensitive to people who feel a day like this is difficult, and it is, but also Talk to dads that are right in the middle of it, that are right in the middle of getting kids up in the morning, getting them off to school, making sure everything's taken care of, working many hours in a week, 
or maybe a stay-at-home dad that just doesn't know what's going to happen next. How do I talk to all of those dads in one 25-minute talk? Well, no matter who you are and which one of those situations applies to you, I want you to know that there's going to be some things that will challenge you today, but also some things that are really going to encourage you. And we all know that families look different, and dads come in many different forms, and father figures come in many different forms, and yours doesn't have to look like mine or those you saw on the screen for what I'm going to talk about today to be true. See, I want to share with, with you some scriptures that, that really drive home this principle of relationship, because whether it's about fathers and children, or children to fathers, the idea of relationship was God's idea from the very beginning. And so think about this. Relationships have always been God's plan to point people to him. Always. Since the very beginning. That's why one of our core beliefs at LifePoint is that people grow in community. And so relationships, that's what God uses to point people to him. Now today we're talking about father relationships because it's Father's Day. But all relationships in your life and all people in your life, you can point them closer to their heavenly father. If you were to tell your faith story about how you came to know Jesus or where you are on your journey of faith, if you were to tell that, it would include people. It would include a family member or a friend or someone who invited you or someone who shared God's word or Jesus' plan for you because it's all about relationships pointing us back to God. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. Please take one of those if you want one. You can also follow along on the screen. I'm going to read from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. This is in a section of the Old Testament when God was giving his laws to his people. And specifically, he had some words for an older generation to a younger generation. He's trying to say to parents which would have included fathers, how we should view our responsibilities to our children. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning at verse 18. So commit to yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road. And when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates so that as long as it is day and the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. So what God is saying is you want your kids to flourish. Who wants their kids to flourish? Everybody that has kids, you want them to flourish. And he's giving us a bit of a, an answer to how we can set our kids up ultimately to flourish. And he says it starts with us as parents, as leaders, as fathers. It starts with us. So the most important thing you can do for your kids is not put them in the best schools or safe for college, although there's wisdom in that. It's not to put them on the traveling sports team, although there can be a lot of fun and experience game from that, and there can be value to it. But the most important thing you can do for your children is to develop your own faith. That is the most 
important thing. Develop your own faith and then share it with them. Not in a forced way, but share it with them in a way that helps them integrate it into their lives so they can make their own decisions about faith. As our girls were growing up, they're 19 and 21 years old now. As they were growing up, Cinda and I made the decision that we were not going to be forcing our faith on our girls. And over the last few years, they have gone, last year was our, our youngest going away to school. And I wanted, even from the time they were little, when we were thinking about when that day finally came, I wanted them to know two things. One, I wanted them to know Jesus, and they do. I wanted to have a, them to have a relationship with him that was real and theirs and something they chose, and they do. But I also wanted them to know where they can go to, for forgiveness when they make mistakes and when they need a fresh start, and they know. And that was my responsibility, not to force any faith on them, but to say, look, I want you to know Jesus, and then, like all people do, when you mess up, I want you to know where forgiveness and fresh starts come from. And I felt like, when they were little, if I could just get that into them by the time they drive away to their dorm room, then everything would be okay. So this verse offers us, a, offers us as parents, as dads, a really big challenge. One challenge is that my faith will be the number one factor in the faith of my kids. My faith will be the number one factor in the faith of my kids. That doesn't mean that they won't find Jesus without you because I see many children find Jesus on their own without any or hardly any assistance from mom and dad. I didn't have, growing up personally, I, I know what it's like because I didn't have a father, I did have a father who loved me, but not one that was a spiritual influence and tried to guide me towards the heavenly father. I didn't have that. And so I had to find that in other ways. And it's also my job to transfer the faith I have in God to my children. Because my relationship with my kids is how they learn about God primarily. It can happen in other ways too, but my relationship with my kids is how they learn about God primarily. That's why it's so tragic when there's abuse involved by a father and children end up kind of seeing, when you talk about God being a father and then somebody that's been abused by a father, do you see how difficult it could be for someone to ever trust God when they never had an example on earth? Now, that can be a big challenge, but it still means my job as a dad is to point my children towards their heavenly father. It's not easy, and nobody does it without mistakes, but it's still our job. That's what I tried to do with my girls, to be an earthly father that pointed them towards their heavenly father. I did it imperfectly, but I did it to the best of my ability. And so I asked my 21-year-old Molly to come out and talk to us a little bit about what it was like. I said, Molly, could you come and talk about what it was like for your earthly father to point you towards your heavenly father? And she's gonna share a little bit of that with us this morning. So in 2014, I started my freshman year of college. 
Uh, for the first time, I was two hours away from home, and it was my chance to really develop my faith all on my own. Uh, growing up in a pastor's home was a great experience for me. I actually loved it. Uh, like my dad said, faith wasn't forced on me, and I was able to make decisions about Jesus on my own time. And for me, that was when I was 11. But there was still something new and something very different about um, developing my faith somewhere where I wasn't necessarily even known as a pastor's kid. I remember my dad telling me that, he said, Molly, the first two weeks of college will set the tone for your entire college career. <laughs> no pressure, Dad, thanks. Um, so it might have taken a little bit more than just a couple weeks, but I did find um, a core group of friends who love Jesus, and I found a church where I feel like I can really grow and develop my faith. The hardest thing about transitioning from high school to college had nothing to do with academics or living in a dorm like I thought it would. Um, it was more about finding my place outside of being a pastor's kid or being here at LifePoint. And now I'm about to start my senior year, which is crazy. And when I look back, I can see a lot of ways that my earthly father pointed me towards my heavenly father. And I'm just going to share a couple of those with y'all. So the first one is that he would dream with me. So my parents would always read stories to us and pray with us before bed. And then my dad would always say, God's going to do big things with you. God has a plan for you. And that would usually just keep me up at night. And I would wonder, OK, how, when, why can't God just tell me now so that I know? Um, but I definitely, my dad's dreams for my life helped me see God's dreams for my life. Uh, so any time that I get really anxious about my future, I just remember um, those nights dreaming and praying with my dad. Uh, and I remember that um, God has a plan for me, and it is way better than anything I could come up with on my own. So if the future stresses you out like it stresses me out, just know that God has a plan that's way better than ours. Um, my dad also made me feel secure. So I put a lot of pressure on myself, especially when it comes to school or my future. Um, and so when all these uncertainties would just weigh on me and I would get really anxious, um, my dad would always be there for me to help calm me down and um, make me feel a lot more secure, even though I still didn't know what was to come. Um, and he did that by pointing me back to God. And because of this, I know that my Heavenly Father will carry all my anxieties and give me rest. My dad also um, encouraged me to learn from others. So it's not a surprise that I grew up in a uh, Christian home. We read the Bible, we prayed, we talked about what was going on at church. But when I think back to my baptism in fourth grade, I think about my small group leaders and LifePoint kids. Uh, I have a picture with me and Miss Cheryl um, but I think of Miss Cheryl, and I think of Miss Rhonda and Miss Kathy, who were my leaders um, back in LifePoint Kids. And I just couldn't imagine what it would be like um, without growing up uh, with them helping me along the way. So if you serve in LifePoint Kids or lead kids, just know that you definitely are making a difference. My dad also taught me a lot about my Heavenly Father by always being there for me, even when I didn't necessarily know it. So I mentioned already that whenever I would be really anxious or stressed about something, he would always be there for me to calm me down and point me back to God. Uh, so when I started elementary school, I was very adamant about riding the school bus, and I refused to let my dad drive me to school. Does anyone have independent or stubborn children? Because <laughs> I've been told that was me. 
or maybe still is me. Um, so my, like I said, very adamant, I was going to ride the school bus because I was a kindergartner and I could handle it. I was a big deal. So my dad let me ride the school bus. Um, but little did I know, as soon as he waved goodbye as I got on the school bus, he got, he did this a whole first week of kindergarten. He got in his car and followed the school bus all the way to school and then got out of his car and hid behind a tree <laughs> to make sure that I wasn't afraid when I got off the bus and that I went inside and I was safe. I don't know how he didn't get arrested hiding behind a tree, but, and we laugh about that story a lot now, but it really is a very good picture of God in our lives. Even in those moments where you don't feel like he's there, he's there watching over you. And maybe you don't have a dad like I do, but you do have a heavenly father who is there watching over you, following your school bus, and making sure that you're safe. Um, and he's there even when you don't necessarily feel like he is. The last way that I remember my dad pointing me back to my heavenly father is that he taught me how to make faith-filled decisions. Um, does anyone struggle with decisions? Yes? Me? <laughs> I definitely do. Uh, so this first big decision I had to make was where to go for college. And I had narrowed it down to two really great options. I loved both of them. I felt like I could go to either one. And it made the decision even harder because I didn't know which way to go. Uh, so I prayed a lot. And then I asked for advice from people. And then I prayed a lot more. Um, and I still had no idea. So one night, my dad comes home. And I'm in tears at the table because I'm just so frustrated with God because I um, really wanted to do what he wanted me to, but he wasn't making it clear enough. So I was just very frustrated with him. And so my dad gave me some advice that has really helped me since then. And he said, when we can't decide what God wants, we need to stick with what we know he wants. And I know that he wants me to be his girl no matter where I go. Um, and when I can focus on that, uh, the decisions will become a little bit easier. They won't be easy, but they will be easier if I'm focusing on just being God's girl wherever I am. And he also shared um, this verse with me from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That verse has helped me make a lot of decisions since then. So I decided that I was going to be God's girl no matter where I went to school and I really didn't feel like God cared which school I went to. He just cared that I was going to be his, whichever one I chose. I ended up choosing the cheaper one, so my dad was definitely happy about that. <laughs> so my earthly father did point me towards my heavenly father in a lot of ways. But I don't want you to think he's perfect. Don't let Donnie Williams fool you. He is not perfect. He actually has misled me a few times in, our child in my childhood. Uh, one, he misled me about cotton candy, which is just wrong. Uh, he doesn't like anything sticky at all. So naturally, he decided to tell Abby and I that um, anyone with the last name Williams is allergic to cotton candy. <laughs> and for some, I believed him for a very long time. I was like 14 before I'd ever had cotton candy. Uh, and then the other one is that, okay, I'm a little bit of a picky eater. Uh, and so when I was growing up, I refused to eat the crust on my peanut butter sandwiches. Uh, and so my dad would cut the crust off, and I was like, awesome, got what I wanted. Uh, but then when I wasn't looking, he would cut the crust off, but then he would put it inside my sandwich. <laughs> I had no idea. So years later, he was like, Molly, you do like crust. You've been eating it all these years. <laughs> so he misled me about that as well. But what I'm trying to say is... 
dads, as kids, we do not need you to be perfect. We just need you to be present, and we need you to point us in the right direction. And as kids, we're definitely not going to be perfect either, but that's why we need you to lead us and love us, show us and um, teach us. And that's the truth of this proverb. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. So my imperfect dad showed me my perfect heavenly father. And I know I'm going to be God's girl no matter where I go. And because I know who my heavenly father is, I know that even if I make mistakes or become anxious, I know where I can go for guidance and forgiveness. I know that he'll be there for me, and he'll be there for you too. So dads, if your kids made a list, it might be different. It doesn't have to look anything like mine, but make sure they have a list. Do things in their life that will point them towards their Heavenly Father because it will change everything. Give them the opportunity to have Jesus in their heart because they saw him in yours. So, <laughs> Molly read from Proverbs 22. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Some of you need to find some hope in that verse today. Because maybe you started out your kids on the right path, and you got them going in the right direction, and they made some bad decisions. And don't let today make you feel defeated that word direct comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to train or dictate or inaugurate, getting them started on the right path. That is our job. Dads, that's your job, to get your children started on the right path. Now, they may take what you taught them and make some really bad decisions. And not every family is perfect. I mean, Molly made that list, and I love it. But there's things you don't see. You don't see arguments. You don't see father-daughter uh, verbal clashes. You don't see people stomping upstairs and slamming the door. All of that happens to everybody. But when you inaugurate, when you start your kids off in the right direction, it may look different for everybody, but there will be a day they'll remember. And maybe they have to make some really bad decisions before they get back to that. But the truth of this verse is that when they're older, they're going to remember. And they're going to remember what mom and dad taught them. Now, we live in a broken world. Not everybody has that opportunity. Not everybody was taught that way. And not everyone has an active dad in their life. And maybe, maybe your dad was far from awesome. And maybe thinking about Father's Day brings up, or your father brings up painful memories. I get that. And I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't that way. But some of you in the room have the time and the, and the responsibility right now to make a big difference in your kid's life. To do what Molly said. To have Jesus in your life so they can have an opportunity to make their own decision to have Jesus in theirs. That's our responsibility. It's not about a guilt trip. It's about challenging parents, dads, 
to do everything you can to get your children started off in the right direction. Now, what do you do? Just start where you are, whatever that looks like for you. If your kids are still little, little kids, they'll believe they're allergic to cotton candy. They'll be, you can make them think they're, you're cutting the crust off when you're really putting it in the sandwich the whole time and they don't know it. They already think you're awesome. So if your kids are little, that's the best time to start. They're the, they're the easiest to influence at that age. So do whatever you have to do. Make the time you have to make. Have the job you need to have in order to make the right investment in your kids so their future will be different because you will put in front of them the right choices. Now, it's up to them if they make them, but you will have done your responsibility putting the right choices in front of them. And if they can take off, when they finally leave your home, if, if they know Jesus and they know where to go when they mess up and make mistakes to get a fresh start and forgiveness, you've done your job. You've done your job. Now, if your kids are older, it's going to look different than that. But anytime a parent turns their life to Jesus, anytime, no matter how old their kids are, it'll have an influence. There's never a time when it won't have some impact. And maybe, like me, you didn't have that father in your life that led you spiritually. So what do you do? Well, here's what I did. I found people that I thought they were doing it right. And I asked them, how do you do that? How do you get your kids to do that? Before I even have, had kids, I was asking dads, how do you get them to act like that? Because I would like mine to act like that someday. Because <laughs> they seem very nice and they seem very uh, agreeable. And they don't seem to be, you know, back talking you all that much. How do you do that? I just asked them, how do you do it? And I would listen and it influenced the way I parented my children. So I want to go back to the words I said at the beginning. That relationships have always been God's plan to point people to him. Always. God's plan to point people to him is all through relationships. And maybe, maybe you, you've never been pointed towards God. Maybe you just show up here with somebody else. Maybe... You just haven't made that decision yet. And for those of you that may not have that picture of what a father looks like or should look like from a spiritual perspective, I want to share a story that Jesus shared with people who wanted to know what God looked like. Jesus was asked one time, why are you hanging out with the people you're hanging out with? In other words, people that weren't religious, people that didn't know God. And you need to read this story when you go home. It's in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the lost son. And the story is about this son that goes to his father and basically says, you're dead to me, I'll take my money now and I would like to go. And he went away and he wasted all the money, wild living, and he found himself with no money, nowhere to live, and in desperation and destitute. And he ended up thinking... I'm just going to go back to my dad. Maybe, just maybe, he'll let me just kind of slide in the back door and be a servant. And Jesus tells this story in such a way that gives us this mental picture of this young man walking up the road towards his house. And Jesus said the words, when his father saw him, he 
ran to him. He ran to him and he embraced him and he says, we're going to have to have a party because this lost son of mine is now home and he put him right back in right standing like he had never, ever left. If you don't have a picture of a father, that's one you need to grasp. That's the one that Jesus said, this is who God is. He's the God who will run to you and put you right back where you're supposed to be. He's not a father that's all about punishing you when you make mistakes. He's a father that says, if you've wandered off, I'll come find you. If you're lost, I'll look for you. And when you're ready to come home, I will embrace you. I will run to you. No matter what kind of dad you had, that is a picture of a heavenly father that we can all know. So happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, thank you that no matter what on earth happens to us, whether we have wonderful dads that fill us with great memories and equip us for life, or whether we had dads that really didn't do anything in our lives, or maybe even dads, dads that harmed us. But you give us a picture of our ultimate heavenly father and what he's like. God, may we all find comfort in that no matter what life has brought us. And God, I pray for the dads right now that are in the middle of being dad, that today would give them hope and a challenge and the courage to grow their own faith so they can instill that in the lives of their children so one day they too can have you living in their heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.